non-rock a boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Brett, delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. I got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. What's up, man? This is the bear, the ginger, <laughs> and the vocab. And the vocab. <laughs> What's going on, vocab alone? Urban Theologian Radio representing in the house. <laughs> How y'all doing? He has to talk fast because yeah. his show is only 30 minutes long. Yeah, that, his show would have been over by now. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so, uh, what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about a whole sh- smorgasbord of stuff. Uh, we had, today's been crazy, man. We had all kinds of stuff scheduled, and then all just fell apart at the last minute. Jeff's sick. You sounded like the Godfather today for reals. He's like, hey, uh, uh, <laughs> drop these books off for you. <laughs> <laughs> he did. It was bad. Marcus, <laughs> like, you need to go home. He's like, I could do. He's like, show. I want to do a show and talk about the debate. I'm like, yeah, he can't refuse. No, no, no. <laughs> you guys sound like that clown or something from uh, Simpsons. Yeah. No, the funny thing Krusty, was, Krusty. yeah, Krusty the clown. The funny thing he was like, he was like, I can do the radio show. I just, I look terrible. I don't want to do the TV <laughs> show. <laughs> we're like, uh, <laughs> we're like, you look fine, dude. You sound bad. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, it was funny because we had vocab scheduled for a different show. Yep. He came in at last minute, and then that got canceled. So we're just gonna we're just gonna have a fun show today. That's Calvinism. That's Calvinism. Speaking of Calvinism, what? you, you uh, have several Calvinistic uh, topics you want to talk about. You want to hear about a party, guys? Yes. Let's talk I'm about here a party. to talk about this picture right here. Oh, I haven't seen that this, yet. Let me see. Oh, you haven't seen no, this haven't picture seen yet. yet? Who's that Muslim, John Calvin? That looks like a terrorist. That's me. Muslim. <laughs> in my Calvin cosplay. <laughs> So recently, I gathered all <laughs> the Roosevelt youth up okay, first at our off, church. First off, I have to ask you a question. Why is Calvin nailing theses to the door? Everyone at the party got a shot at the door. So we all <laughs> each took turns nailing the 95 thesis to the door. He like, was like pin the tail on the donkey. And it's like It was more of like a photo booth type of thing. You know, you re- remember you were here. No, it wasn't a game. It was, it was a way to remember that you were there. But what was awesome is one gal came as the 95 thesis, like had a giant poster board strapped 
you know, to her neck with a with a string or whatever. And then another guy came as John Calvin. He had the bald monk cap and everything called a tonsure. And so they took a picture of him with a nail, like right around, you know, her like neck area about to, you know, nail it in because she was the 95 thesis. So it sounds a bit perverse as I describe it, but it's pretty awesome because there's a picture of Martin Luther Nailing the human you, 95 thesis to the wall. Cap, we need you on just to talk about your parties more often. Did you have a, a, pope, a pope piñata? <laughs> no, but, but the funny thing is you said that. That's actually in the works next year. And also... A pope piñata? Yes. Oh, okay. And also we're going to rant a mechanical bull. And then you're going to see how long people can ride the papal bull. <laughs> Because the papal bull is when the Pope would send out these uh, decrees in Latin, uh, and they would say these supposedly important things, and it was a big deal whenever a papal bull went out. Martin Luther received a papal bull, and it basically said, stop preaching this heresy, Luther. Recant the 95 Thesis, or at least the majority of them. And if you don't, you will be excommunicated from the Universal Church. So Martin Luther, of course, went outside of the gates of Wittenberg, Germany. It was a big deal. He burnt the papal bull. And that's not just a way to kind of put a finger in the eye of the Pope, although that can be fun from time to time. It was also a way to essentially affirm (laughs) Sola Scriptura, which is on your shirt right now, Marcus, because he's saying it ain't the Pope's authority that we we roll by. It's authority found in the pages of Scripture, and the Pope is violating that, so I can go ahead and burn this because it's worthless. (laughs) And he also burned some other documents from the Roman Catholic Church. Some of the peasants got in on the action. It was a whole fun burning contest. (laughs) So guess what we did? At the end of our Reformation Day party, I printed out the very first page of the papal bull that the Pope actually sent to Martin Luther and put it on this antique style printing paper you can buy. Mm -hmm. So, dude, it looked like a real papal bull. And every kid, boom, boom, we got to burn them all up because we had a bonfire in the back. So it was a real party, man. (laughs) Wow, a bunch of pyros. Dude, vocab, how come I wasn't invited, man? Mainly because you go to Apologia. Uh, It was when we had church. You know what? We were having church too, my friend. <laughs> Sounds like it. You, uh, we have no more Catholic listeners. Yeah. I don't think we had any to begin with. You should next year you should do it at someone's house as a pool, and then you could have a swim the Tiber competition. So they did have a pool there, and I thought about that, but I also thought about another one, which is they have a, a diving board. Yeah. Which has a spring. And I want to play this game where when one person like throws a coin into a coffer, the person on the diving board has to bounce and jump into the water because whenever a coin in the coffer rings, another soul from purgatory springs. That's what John Tetzel, who was a Dominican monk, went around the German countryside preaching this to the peasants, telling them that if they would pay a certain amount of money, the Pope would give them basically a limited kind of discount, special offer to be able to get their relatives who are suffering in purgatory out. And the Catholics did at that time teach that purgatory, first of all, was a real place that you really did experience temporal punishment. So actually minutes were passing by. There was actually uh, sustained awareness you were having. And the ironic thing is, guess who purgatory is for? Only for people on the way to heaven, according to Catholic doctrine. Actually, if you're going straight to hell or whatever, you don't even get to stop by purgatory. You just go get to the bad stuff. The idea of purgatory is essentially purging out 
the remaining sin before you can jump in Jesus' presence. Which again, what's that do? Totally destroys Solus Christus. That's pointing yes. to the shirt. That's yeah, for yeah. you guys. I was, I was That's like, for you guys. I don't know what you're about to say. It takes away <laughs> Solus Christus because no longer Jesus is Christ's sacrifice sufficient because you have this extra thing that you actually need to do. So... We did a little game where we did throw a coin into the hole, and then after that, you had to jump on a trampoline, like spring out of purgatory. And we also did this thing called a Bible smuggling relay, where you had to put a bunch (laughs) of Bibles in your pants and then see if you could get there faster, because during that time, it was illegal to translate the Bible into the vulgar vernacular of the common people. So we did this game where, just like the Reformers, when the Reformation started off, they were translating and publishing Bibles left and right and they took them in another country. Sometimes they would get killed doing yeah. so. You so didn't we did kill a anybody, Bible did smuggling you? relay. No, but next time I would like to do the game where as you're trying to do your Bible smuggling relay, there's like guys in Cardinals jerseys, but it'll be Arizona <laughs> Cardinals jerseys. <laughs> get it? Kind of like a pun, like a play on words because yeah. a Cardinal's a Catholic position. And they'll be like trying to block them as they're doing the Bible smuggling relay to get to the other side. That's incredible. <laughs> we also did... You know, you guys know. I have nothing to add to this conversation. What the diet of worms is? The diet of worms. The diet of worms. That's where Martin Luther stood before. That's where you eat a lot of worms. Well, kind of. Hold up, I'll get there. (laughs) It's where uh, Martin Luther had to stand before a bunch of big shots of the day, basically German princes and uh, the Holy Roman Empire, uh, emperor, so called, all of that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, he had to give an account from his writings, and they kept on saying, "Recant, recant," and you know he wouldn't recant, which means to take back what you had written. And that's where he gave the famous, I can do no other unless I'm convinced by scripture, plain reason. My conscience is held captive to the word of God. Here I stand. I can do no other. So help me God. Boom. Well, that's the diet of worms where that happened. Because diet is a a Latin word that means imperial meeting. Worms, verms, was the name of the German city where this was held. So we do the diet of worms where we eat chocolate pudding. Like kind of like dirt, you know, and then put a bunch of gummy worms in it. Yeah, yeah. And the kids had to put their face in it and dig out as many worms as they could in a minute and a half. And you got like 10,000 points for each worm. So it was the diet of worms. But the thing is, before we play every game, we explain to them what it was. So the reason why I want to talk about how to throw a Reformation Day party is to show people, number one, it can be fun. Number one, it can be all ages because we had high schoolers a lot. of I think and we had some adults there, too. Number three, you should do it because 2017 marks the 500 year anniversary of when Martin Luther first nailed his 95 thesis on the chapel door there in Wittenberg 2017 500 years because the first happened October 31st 1517 mm. so we need to like get into this you Do know something. what I'm saying you got two years to get ready to at your church throw the biggest reformation day party ever we're, we're gonna outdo you you know we do yeah, Reformation we're, we're, Day. We're, apologias 2017 <laughs> Reformation Day party is going to be bigger than Roosevelt's I don't think 2017 party. If that happens, then I will have achieved my mission on today's show. <laughs> because I want more people to do this kind of thing. And as an experienced Reformation Day party thrower, I can give you some of my promo materials, the flyers we used. I got these Luther masks where if someone doesn't come in the costume of the era, which, by the way, we made the kids do, and then we had a costume contest... You can give them these Luther masks, and so everyone has one on. And we did this costume contest. Guess what the number one prize was? You will never believe this. Playmobil. Reformation Day Bible. 
That's that's a good actually second uh, place was a Bible. Study Bible. Second that's a good gift for next year, but second okay. place was a Bible, not a Reformation study Bible. That's a really good idea though. First yeah, place Presbyterian good Presbyterian Bible though. You guys know Playmobil? <laughs> they kinda like are like Legos or yeah, like Creos. Yeah, my daughter loves those. There's a Martin Luther Playmobil. Are you serious? That the company actually no. made. And they made it earlier this year. That's and according incredible. to Business Week, I think is where I found the article, it's one of their best sellers of all time. And you can actually put Martin Luther together. And then it has a little quill pen, bro. <laughs> and with his German New Testament. I'm it looking at it. Amazing. Look at that. Look, it's right there. It's a real thing. That is incredible. <laughs> that's not a customization. That's not a fan thing. That's not some crazy Lutheran. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's a real thing a real company made. And on the box, it got the little logo for uh, 2017. 500 years of reforming. It is sick. <laughs> it is ill. Man, there's so it's many things you could do. Check this out. What about costumes that people come in that are costume mashups? Next year, because I know sometimes, I'm just going to be real, we have a lot of black people at our church, and sometimes they feel left out like they can't look like John Calvin because he's they're not, you know, white yeah. or something. I say, look, first of all, don't worry about that. And that's why everyone tried to say I look like a terrorist. Well, my you don't look like John Italian Calvin skin. But listen, this is going to, some people are going to like this, some people are going to hate on it, but there's mashups. And the reason why I was going to say that is, let's say you're kind of old school and you like Luther Vandross. You know, the R&B singer? <laughs> what about coming as Martin Luther, Luther Vandross? Vandross? What about if you're kind of a skinny, kind of pretty dude? What about John Calvin Johnson? No. What about you come as a Don't model me, no. without a shirt on in Calvin Klein jeans and you're Jean Calvin Klein? <laughs> and you have a beard with the pretty boy hair? There's so many ideas of how to mash, mash this up. I'm telling you. You could come as the Chicago Bulls, but instead of like Chicago Bulls, like right yeah. people Bulls all Chicago over your stuff, bulls. there's so <laughs> many ideas. What about someone comes dressed as the number nine, number nine and the next person next to them comes as the number five? It's the 95 yeah. thesis. Uh-huh. Oh, what about for dessert? Because you have to have German food and Reformation-oriented themed food. Next year, guess what our dessert's going to be? 95 Reese's. <laughs> <laughs> There's so uh, many uh, ideas. Uh, and why, why haven't people done this before? That's what I'm saying. Now, some of these ideas, I, I will Dude, tell you, I found I've on... I've never seen you so excited about anything I found ever. on homeschooling websites. Yeah, oh, yeah. True. True. And, and uh, like, Lutheran <laughs> websites. About half the ideas I'm saying I found. The other half are truly fresh creation, creations, or some are moderated or modified from their ideas. And that's just the beginning of the ideas. There's so many more ideas I could tell you. For example, you could carve pumpkins with John. There's a there's actually a sketch cut out where you can do John Calvin and Martin Luther's faces. The the wow. sketch is already online. Just go Google PDF for it. Look, you know, what? look what's happening right now. <laughs> He's wow. buying it. I'm buying it on Amazon. What? The Luther <laughs> thing. The, the Playmobil. Yeah, that's gotta nice. be in our How much is studio. It? It's How like much thirteen bucks. Thirteen? Yeah. Shoot. It's already, gonna, bo- it's already bought. There goes somebody's tithing. Hey, you know offering. what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> your party was your party was missing something very important though. What? The Reformation Day, Oktoberfest, beer. Was, yeah, well, it was, it was, it was for that. the youth, so we well, didn't I'm just saying, you want to be authentic. It needs yeah. to. It needs and, to include. And, and no one was baptized, right? No uh, baby. No babies were baptized. No, no, no so, babies were harmed in the making of this party. Oh, only kind of authentic. All right, next year, since there is a pool there, we'll throw all the children into the pool. Sounds good to me, man. That'll work. I don't care how you get them wet. Those Just that get them don't wet. sink to the Even bottom. Even if we dip them. Are the elect infants. Get them wet. Get them wet. <laughs> all right. Hey, yeah. can, can, you, uh, can you wrap us out, or you, you need you need some prep? Uh, Well, that beat is not It's not, not going to do it. Can you bring me back a beat when we come back from break that's like more of a hip-hop beat yeah, than yeah. that one? And we'll, we'll do it. it. All right, okay. cool. Apology at Radio. We'll be back. 
in 30 seconds. But in order for me to tell you the good news, I must share with you the bad. A beard can be a most magnificent thing, but it can also be the downfall of a man. An unmaintained beard prevents a face from shining. An unmaintained beard causes dry, itchy skin. An unmaintained beard is a source of beardruff. You know, like dandruff, but beardruff. An unmaintained beard is sharp and ruthless, like iron bristles, not good for the lady friend. An unmaintained beard forfeits future growth based on the lack of preparation today. And let's not forget that an unmaintained beard robs your face from smelling amazing. Let not thy beard be thy downfall protect your manlyhood an epic combination of manliness and manhood if you're hearing this today there is hope for your beard go to youcosbeard.com and enter the code apologia and you can save some money while you save your face yeah solar cry one two three four five martin luther rap <laughs> peter piper picked a leper yeah a man without a sweater Said to give some cheddar to the priest to make it better Your Aunt Margarine is stuck in purgatory Tepta told a tale and another false story People couldn't read but they heard the oratory Indulging sins like committing perjury Indulgences get away scot-free But that's blasphemy and a false prophecy Wycliffe and Huss, now they coming after me An army of priests push the death penalty Rome survives off a of false forgery October 31 1517 Wittenberg door in the chapel Germany Reform the church Not divided in pieces Please discuss my 95 thesis Why won't the pup trust the words of Jesus No dialogue I'm tried to with log A rope and a lighter and a fire like a hog Thank God the king He was saving me He was taking me Placing me in a place to be Study Greek and peace Translating in a tree Don't speak Latin We're German homie We, we can now have the word of God for all to see Just wait until you read Romans 6 23, my name is Martin Luther And the gospel is free <laughs> Wow So that's Martin Luther that's, rapping That's hard, wow. that's hard I feel like that's exactly what he would do Yeah, that's his style, everything See, I said Peter Piper picked a leper That's a reference to the Pope Cause they call him, like he sits in the <laughs> chair Peter a man without a sweater is saying like the poor dudes said to give some cheddar to the priest to make him better. You know all about that. Aunt Marguerite stuck in purgatory. Tetzel told a tale and another false story. That's that dude I talked about earlier, you know, the coin in the coffer guy. Okay. People couldn't read, but they heard the oratory, so they had to trust the priest's interpretation right. of scripture. Indulge in sins like committing perjury. Indulgences get away scot-free because you basically pay your sin be covered up. But that's blasphemy and a false prophecy. Wycliffe and Huss, now they're coming after me. That's Martin Luther, because they came after those dudes before him. An army of priests pushed the death penalty, but Rome survives off a of false forgery. October 31, 1517, Wittenberg door in the chapel, Germany. Reformed the church, not divided in pieces. Please discuss my 95 thesis. That was the Why best part. won't the Pope trust the words of Jesus? Wow. And, and, the, words of, and the words of Ivy Connolly? Sometimes you gotta, you gotta bow God to go hard. <laughs> yeah, Man. Yeah, that was awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah, Only right. on Apology Radio. Yeah, yeah, right. You don't even get that on back on uh, Urban Theologian because the show's not long enough. No, that's we've, true. We've already done this rap on our show. Oh. It must have been the, it was the whole show. It was a lot better. I didn't. I had a couple mess ups this time on our show. I didn't have any mess ups. It was flawless. 
Kind of like our show compared to yours. Oh! <laughs> no, we, know, we know that ain't true. Oh, this is your last time on the show, vocab. You're what right, do you uh, want to say to people? I'm like, hey, Ramon, what do you think of that? Huh? Oh, I was just answering church email. I, I didn't see what you were saying. <laughs> what, what, what were we talking about? Do we have a guest on? Are we talking about what? <laughs> that happens more than you would you care to know. <laughs> oh, I believe it. He was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm in the coalition of the gospel. <laughs> Yeah, or, 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 or Pastor Bob. Uh, gotta wake him up. What do you think, Bob? Well, I'm speechless. <laughs> okay. That's what I got to work with all the time. Yeah. I've been on the show with, with yeah. them. Yeah. I know how I know how they roll. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you just did a debate, huh? Yeah, so... Two debates. I just debated twice in one day a Muslim apologist named Shadid Lewis. And Marcus was there. I he was did the there. video. Yeah. And the Woodpeckers. And the woodpeckers mm-hmm. are there. Yep. Yeah. They sure were. So tell us about it. Well, um, I feel like Shadid is a cool guy, and I like how our styles mesh, you know, kind of casual but intense, kind of streetish but moderately academic. I, I, that was my opinion of the of the vibe of it. Yeah. And uh, dude was mad respectful, mad chill, clear, and um, I feel like he's prepared, generally speaking, as far as what a Muslim apologist can be prepared to say, meaning he's really prepared, he's really clear, he's really good in what he does, but ultimately, of course, he's still defending mm-hmm. a false faith. So that's his main weakness. It's not any personal weakness that, in my opinion, he has. He's from, he, he was from Hampton, Virginia, wasn't he? Yeah. I didn't even know that. I was When I was editing the debate, you said yeah. that, and I, I picked up on it. That's where I'm from. Oh, you guys should have... Uh, I know, man. Uh, I he used to be he, president of one of the mosques there, that's actually. What, he that's must, what I uh, heard, yeah. He must be a lover, then. Because Virginia's for lovers. Oh, I never knew that. <laughs> well, he's born in Brooklyn, so on the way, when I picked him up from the airport, because I actually picked him up, we talked about old-school hip-hop. You know, he likes Big Daddy Kane, yada yada. He's a comic book fan, too, right? He knows some about that. He actually teaches ninjutsu, so he got these uh, videos online wow. of him like doing takedowns and stuff. So, just an interesting dude all around, man. And uh, So, you debate him on the Muslim apologetics, and then we get him and Jeff just to oh, go at it physically. Oh, that's a great idea. That's a great <laughs> idea, actually. I'd like to see. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, that's, uh, that's interesting, actually. Yeah. So we did two debates. So you can have is, an intellectual fight and a <laughs> yeah. physical fight all at once and right. see who wins. Right. Well, I had to ask Jeff about it. I heard, I heard he wasn't here because he's sick, which seems to happen a lot. So I don't know if he's up to the task these days. <laughs> he's like, he's like uh, the old sick, you know. <laughs> Show you this the sick style, but uh, <laughs> nah. But uh, we've got uh, two debates in a row. The audio is online. The video is going to be popping up pretty soon. Is the Quran trustworthy, and is the New Testament trustworthy? So we each had to defend mm. our respective positions. And the beautiful thing about the debate is uh, it had two sections where there was ten minute cross examinations. So there's like twenty minutes total of cross X back and forth. And most people, of course, like that's those spots yeah. the best. Yeah, yeah. So I think it lent itself to a really engaging educational debate overall. That's my view of it. I mean, mm. the second one you were on fire though, y'all are about to like knock each other's heads off. Well, we were definitely animated, but if you watch him, he's pretty cool and calm. You know, I never felt like he was. I mean, if anyone was more like, hey, hey, it was probably me more than no, him. It was, but it was fun. Yeah, I agree. We should talk about uh, we should talk about your Star Wars analogy. Yeah, I heard about that. Well, it's only like this one line. It's the it's the one line. It's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. It's the I'll be back. It's, it's, all, it's yeah. the I can't handle the truth. <laughs> that, that's all. That's all you need is that one line. Well, so I was. We were talking about is the Quran truly a continuation of preceding revelation. Mm -hmm. Now, the Muslim claims previous revelation has been abrogated. That's their technical word 
or wiped away mm-hmm. by the Quran's greater and final authority. One time I heard a Muslim say to me, when you, uh, you know, the new iPhone drops, people go get it, right? You want the latest and the greatest, the most up-to-date. That's the Quran mm. and the Old New Testament are prior to that. They're their earlier generation. But in addition to that, they also charge, of course, the text of the documents is being corrupted by false theology right. and other things like right. that. And so, so it's like an iPhone with a virus. Yeah, so <laughs> it's an older iPhone and with a virus. So, so... But then my point and part of this discussion we're having is that if you actually read the Quran and the theological uh, motifs and claims that arise from it, it actually is not a continuation of any of the covenant documents, either old or new, Hmm. for a multiplicity of reasons. It's discussion on the nature of God. Even what the prophets are, what they do, how they behave, that type of thing. It's doctrine. It's of sin, of man. It's anthropology. Mm-hmm. Um, it's understanding of of what we do with sin. So there was really no gospel. It's actually somewhat similar to sort of modern day Judaism okay. uh, in the sense of, you know, you ask for repentance. You try harder. God understands. It's all good. He's gracious so he can forgive. But there's actually no objective basis right. for why you're being forgiven. So all these things make it out of step. In fact, really, it's like a retrogression. But certainly, there's some awareness of the prior revelation. The Quran talks about the Torah, which is Mm -hmm. first five books, Old Testament, talks about the Psalms, talks about the Injil, which we understand as the Gospels. Mm -hmm. So there's some awareness. Jesus is in there. A number of the prophets and characters from the Old and New Testaments, especially the Old, are name dropped in there. The story of Lot and Sodom, the story of Noah. So there's some general awareness of of those. So it has some continuity in that kind of a sense. And of course, it's chronologically after. My whole point by saying that is this. The Old Testament's like Star Wars A New Hope. The New Testament is like Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. The Quran thinks it's Return of the Jedi, but it's more akin to Spaceballs. (laughs) Better Schwartz be with you. And so the point by that is, is actually to prove something I really believe in kind of a memorable way. The Quran is claiming we're the final installment of the series in line with the prior. My claim is that it's more of a parody. It takes actual bits and pieces but it comedically misinterprets and really satirizes them in some ways. In fact, the Quran gets the doctrine of the sonship of Jesus all wrong, gets the Trinitarian nature of Jesus all wrong, et cetera, et cetera. So it's more like a Spaceballs, which is an 80s movie by Mel Brooks that was a comedic take on the trilogy, but not a true continuation of the series like Return of the Jedi was, Ewoks and all. So the Muslims think that the Bible are the Star Wars prequels, one, two, and three? Yeah, so people then wanted to continue the analogy. Wipe that out of the canon, right? <laughs> During the debate, someone said, well, does that make the Book of Mormon like a fan of Menace? Which is actually possible because, um, you know, it's inferior quality and it claims to be prior, but actually it comes after. Okay, you know, you could stretch that one out. Um, but the, the point to show is to kind of give away. And, and the Muslim uh, shouldn't just be offended by the analogy. They should start to think, is Muhammad truly in line of the path of the prophets? Uh-huh. And a key way to know that he's not is all the prophets, A to Z, taught repentance, and they also taught a doctrine of sacrifice, mm-hmm. and they, they, they believed blood was necessary to wipe away the sin. And that's the key one. 
If you read Moses, he's laying down Levitical laws. If you read the prophets after who are telling Israel, you're not living by the law, by the covenant that you signed on to. They're always pointing back to that. But then you get to the New Testament. Jesus comes, fulfills mm-hmm. it. Hebrews talks all about that. Mom, it claims to be after in this path of the prophets, but yet there's no atonement, no longer required. God's standards suddenly are lowered. Mm. And in fact, they don't even believe Jesus died on the tree. They believe that Allah made it appear as if someone else was up there. By the way, which if that's true, this is a common argument. I didn't invent this. But Allah is responsible for the false religion Hmm. that is Christianity because the Christians saw a guy up there. They thought it was Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. So part of that's Allah's fault because if he's deceiving people by making them think Jesus is on the cross dying, but he's actually not, well, then Christianity gets started partially because of that. Hmm. But it was not true. So Allah's kind of at fault for starting Christianity, which mm. according to Islam is a modern day false religion. So those are some of the things we discussed in the debate because that last one gets to the character yeah. of Muhammad. And part of the point is the ultimate source, if it was Allah as described by the Quran, is insufficient to be reliable, trustworthy, because the character of the ultimate source itself is dubious. So are you likening Muhammad to yogurt? Oh, from the, uh, from the space Spaceballs trilogy? I don't know. That's right. You know, that's uh, I got to work those other ones out. I don't have all those down uh, quite yet. I I made one other analogy during it. I forgot what it was, though. But um, yeah, I mean, I want to try to be a local guy that does this more and more. Yeah, I think it needs to happen more. The trick is I keep on bumping into atheists everywhere I go. And I love atheists. I like them. I, you know, whatever, whatever. But like when I want to debate Muslims and study, just there's an atheist there and they have a question and there's an atheist here and I can't find a Muslim. And so I end up doing more stuff with atheists, but I would rather be doing more with Muslims. So I'm working it out. You just got to tag along with Dr. White. You guys can have dual debates. Well, you know, I wouldn't mind being his junior varsity partner, you know, his Padawan, <laughs> but he's always somewhere else. So, you know, he's not, I'm, I'm really want to focus kind of on Arizona, Phoenix central, like really kind of localized stuff. Cause yeah. I like to debate a guy and afterwards go out to eat with him or something yeah, yeah. like that. Like yeah. I'm really shooting for that type of stuff. I noticed that about you. That's one thing I really like is like, you seem to be good friends with all the people that you debate and have discussions with. Try, you know, there's always limitations and some people genuinely just hate you. They just can't stomach what you believe, you know? Yeah. Uh, But yeah, if a a person's willing, we're going to go there and we're going to be cool as long as they're okay with like legitimate disagreements and discussions and friendships. Like I got a friend who's out and out flagrant, claims to be a Christian homosexual guy. Mm. It's not a secret what I think and we have those discussions, but... He comes over, he hangs out. Now, his other friends have no... They don't understand how he can do that, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that that's better. I think more of that is is good. You know, I don't only want people like me and all that. And I think it's a great thing. If you think about it, which is harder? Witnessing to family or friends you've had a long time or to a stranger. It's yeah. actually easier to a stranger because yeah. you're starting off sort of on the right foot. Right. It's hard to be like, Grandma... You know, hey, hey, change your diaper, and you know, like, or your friend, man, I've known you for twenty years. Now you're all Joel Steen on me, or you know, whatever they would yeah, say yeah. from there. But a straight—that's what's great. If you start a relationship off with a Muslim, with an atheist, whatever, but you're friendly and you're starting with that relationship foot, your your race—the nature of it doesn't really have to change. You can yeah. grow, get to know each other, but you're boom, 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 witnessing all the way, showing the love yeah. of Christ all the way, and it's not like surprise attack. I, right. I think it's beautiful. It's yeah. funny. I just had that conversation with somebody on Tuesday that has had opportunities to speak to like thousands of kids 
like to share his faith with thousands. Right, of right, right. But then like his mom's asking him about the gospel, and he's like, I don't know what to tell her. It's a lot harder. Like, I know. I'm like, isn't that funny? You can like no problem tell thousands of kids, yeah. but when your mom tells you, like, I don't know what to say to her. My mom, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. There you go. Shout out to the atheist that did come to the bait forest. Did a great job being the moderator, and Spencer did a great job being the timekeeper. So we even had atheists keeping the time and moderating the debate, and I thought they did a good job. All right. Before wow. we go. Nice. Wah. You talked about my missional wear shirt. Yeah. I have the, the five solas. solas on my shirt. Thanks to missionalwear.com. You can get your shirt. They support Apologia Radio, and we want to support them for supporting us. So go to missionalwear.com. And they can get a new shirt there, correct? Oh, I forgot about that. You know what? We'll play that clip when we come all back. All right, all right. We'll play that clip, and then uh, we'll talk about Mission Aware again after the break. All right. We're listening to Apology Radio. Hi, this is Warner with Apology Radio. I want to ask for y'all good friends of ours to go on and click that button there and become my friends on the book face. Facebook backslash Apology Radio. Become my friend on YouTube. That there uh, twerker. The twerker, I want to talk to you on the twerking. And send me out a twerk. What? What? Twitter. Apology Radio on Twitter. I also want to tell you we talk about apologetics and theology and we do a lot of swing dancing and we make a delicious chicken gravy. Apologetradio.com If So What is a philosophically devastating critique of your worldview, it is not a worldview you should hold on to any longer. Virginia Tech, 2007. So what? 32 children, kids, students are killed. So what? Andrea Yates, 2001, killed her four children. So what? No, we're not baby eaters. So what? That is the new promo we made for the So What shirt for Apology Radio. And you can get that shirt at missionaware.com. And you can get that shirt at missionaware.com. Yes. And it says, so what? Yeah, it does. And there's some Mickey Mouse hands. It's, uh, well, not really I'm Mickey kidding. Mouse hands. Thanks to copyright laws. But <laughs> they are... <laughs> they're they're Mi- Michael Jackson glove hands. How about that? They're Mitchell Mouse hands. <laughs> Mitchell Mouse hands. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Michael Jackson glove hands? I don't want to know where one. those have been. <laughs> there's, just one, there's just one and the other one's a regular hey, hand. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. Here's the thing about the So What shirt. Every shirt that you buy that's from missionware.com, yes. the So What shirt, every So What shirt you get, you directly support Apologia. We get, we're, uh, they're sponsoring us, and, and, and uh, they're going to leave a donation to us for every shirt that you get. So And they get a sticker, right? I hear they get a sticker. I haven't seen what they look like, though. So, oh. but you can, yeah, so if you go to missionware.com, if you buy any shirt... Let them know that you heard about us on ApologiaRadio.com. Hit the check check mark, and then they give you a sticker uh, for free. Nice. Pretty awesome. You nifty can, gifties, as Jeff would say. Nifty gifties. That's does correct. Do you really say that? Yeah, you really does say that. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. I want to talk to you guys about my favorite radio show, other than Adventures and Odyssey. 
Oops, wait. Oh, never mind. Oops, other than <laughs> Apology <laughs> Radio nice. and Urban Theologian Radio. Nice lead in. <laughs> it's been a long week. It's been a long week. So. So what are we uh, talking about? Uh, we're we're going <laughs> to. All right. So. Gave it all away. Can't even bring in the dramatic music Is right. Is this the Urban Theologian theme song? No. There's oh, <laughs> Bester Bob. I'm on one of my inventions here. <laughs> I'm John Avery Whitaker, but you can call me Whit. So, and how many of you Odyssey. guys who grew hey, up in church? This thing works. How many of you guys? Let me see your hands. Let me see them. Because I can see them. Mm-hmm. Were brought up on Adventures in Odyssey. I was. You were. Not, not to the extent you were, but no, I, no, 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 no. Because, because I am a obsessive compulsive. Adventures in Odyssey nerd. I am to Adventures in Odyssey what vocab is to G.I. Joe. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's a pretty tall claim. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe not that much. Actually, you know, you guys, I only just sidetracked for a second. I'm, uh, you know, today's my birthday. And so it I'm is. Having what? Birthday. Even I was going to play a song, but you ruined it. Sorry. I'm having about five or six fellow G.I. Joe enthusiasts over the house yeah. uh, this weekend. Bro, I thought I was like a big G.I. Joe nerd until I met these guys. These guys pull out trivia and figures and things I never heard of. And they can identify everything, like one little guy's weapon or antenna or microphone. They're like, oh, that goes to 1985. I mean, so I am, but there's always another level, bro. There's always another Are level. Are you, uh, wow. you going to have Cobra Commander jump out of a cake? Uh, no, but my wife sometimes cosplays as the Baroness. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. All right, go ahead. <laughs> All right, so back to Adventures in Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't listened to... We just to took an adventure in Odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For real. All right. So I haven't been on adventure... I haven't listened to Adventures in Odyssey in a long time, but they started this thing called the OA Club, and it allows you to get essentially like every episode of Adventures in Odyssey ever for like 10 bucks a month. OA, what does that stand for? Odyssey Adventure? Uh, Odyssey Adventure Club. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so I've been listening to the album that they put out last year, and it's called The Ties That Bind. And they go really hard against homosexuality and like uh, families that homosexual families, two fathers, two mothers. And so I wanted to play this clip from Adventures in Odyssey. Uh, it's episode eight on the ties that bind. And so here's a little bit of backstory. John Avery Whitaker is part of like a business community, like a like a, a chamber of commerce sort yeah, of right, like right. group with his local surrounding cities and so there's all these businesses involved and this this they're having this LGBT inclusive uh, like like event in, in, in town and they want Wits in to sponsor the event and John Avery Whitaker puts his foot down and he's like there's no way I'm sponsoring this event mm-hmm. and so they actually bring him into sort of like this false like trial to try to remove him from this board and John Avery Whitaker gives a discussion on worldviews that is awesome, and you should have your kids listen to Adventures and Odyssey. Can, so can you, before you play, can you imagine if they would have had this when we were kids? Well, they did have it when. No, we were, I mean like this episode. Parents would have lost their minds. Oh, I know. Well, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll come back. Yeah. I won't play this clip. I'll, I'll talk to you about okay. some past episodes that okay. impacted me when I was a kid. But yeah, go for here it. Here we go. Point is. Mr. Whitaker, whether you like it or not, you are communicating a message that works against the efforts of the association. I guess I've misunderstood the nature of this association. 
Are you saying there isn't room for disagreement? There's room for disagreement, Wit, but this is a big event. Well, the fact that it's big means that we should have agreement about the philosophy behind it. Oh, here we go. Uh, now, now, wait. Are you saying there isn't a philosophy behind the festival? Words like tolerance and inclusivity are born out of a particular ideology, aren't they? Yes. So, we're dealing with a conflict of beliefs. Uh, hold on now. This isn't a debate about religion. Well, in a way it is, Ben. That's the point. Everyone is driven by a worldview. Oh. Whether it's in politics, education, or everyday relationships, a person's worldview is being communicated in what they say and do all the time. My worldview is informed by my faith. Miss Adelaide's is informed by other sources. Yeah. Other sources. Other sources. So that is Adventures in Odyssey from last year's season, The Ties That Bind. It's all about family and adoption and what makes an actual family versus not a family. And right. it's really good. It's it's fantastic. The series is 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 amazing. And just some production level, like some of their voice actors there are some of the top voice actors in the world. So the guy who worked with Pinky and the Brain, he was on Pinky and the Brain, oh, wow. and yeah. then uh, uh, the, the the other guy that does like uh, a lot of the uh, the guy that does the voice Mark of Hamill? Bender, Mark Hamill, Bender on uh, no the guy that does the voice of Bender on Futurama. I think it, I think he's on there, mm. Parnell, uh, or well, I forget his name, but it's just like the production level is amazing, and like it really immerses you in this world of Odyssey, and they've been doing this for years and years, yeah. and so I first heard about Avengers and Odyssey when I was a little kid, because you know when you grow up in the Southern Baptist Church, like that's what little kids do is they listen to Adventures and Odyssey, mm. and so when I was I would go and have sleepovers at my uh, friends, my pastors. Uh, kid's house yeah and he had this like wicker basket full yeah. of like the the old cassette tapes of adventures and odyssey because that was nice. the only way you could listen to it yeah if it was on the radio just a wicker basket and we'd fall asleep like listening to episodes of adventures and odyssey and then like when i was in summer camp we had this time like for it was a little kid summer camp we had like the siesta time is what they called it or like right after lunch <laughs> where like they made you take a nap like they forced Dude, you to take a nap that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> it's even better when you work at the camp because then you realize how awesome it is yeah. to have a period. Right. But the the counselor would actually play like VHS uh, cassette copies of Adventures in Odyssey oh, during, yeah. during siesta time. And so that was the first time I actually understood the atonement as a kid because there was an episode where they were at Passover and they go back in time, right? And, and the father and the son go back in time and then the son gets taken to Pharaoh's place and the father is behind the bloodstained door. Mm. And so the father is like trying to risk his life to like go capture his firstborn son before death comes over and they're not behind a door and death passes over and they don't get killed. And and so when they come out of the imagination station, they ask John Avery Whitaker, they say, how come we didn't die? And John Avery Whitaker says, because the atonement already works for you. Mm. So even though they were there and not behind the, behind the door, the actual blood of the lamb like covered it. So like that's the first time I understood the atonement. I, I love Adventures in Odyssey. And man, this stuff that they're doing, they're like they're still pushing through. Like yeah. they're still doing that stuff. You under, understood the atonement so well 
that you ask Jesus into your heart every summer? Every summer, <laughs> from the time I was seven, <laughs> even when, <laughs> even when I was working at summer camp, you know, like it's it's Arminian summer camp. We actually got in trouble for admitting to being a Calvinist when I was on staff, but that's a whole different story. Wow. <laughs> and uh, and uh, but uh, you know, they always say, you know, close your eyes, yeah. say this prayer, and uh. I said it every time, all the you way. Gotta make you know, sure you're, you just, did it just right, just to make sure. And, then, <laughs> and like, even when you're a counselor and you're just sitting there, and like, you know, the speaker's talking, you just you still say it quietly. To yeah, dude, that's a lot of that's a lot of trees you burned up in them fires, dude. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Yeah, camp was awesome, man. We had this big bonfire, and then like uh, the the camp director would get up and he would tell the story of Elijah, and and he would say. Uh, that the prophets of Baal would say, Oh, Baal, send fire, send fire. And like nothing happened. And he would do it again and everybody would go, Whoa, Baal, send fire, send fire. And nobody, what kind of nothing, camp is this? Nothing, nothing would happen. And then he would say... You thought your cosplay yeah. was real. <laughs> Some of the kids would cut themselves. And, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then he would say that Elijah would like, you know, throw water on the fire. And then yeah. he just said one time, Oh, God, send fire. And there's this like, like this like line and this fire would shoot down like right over everybody like, awesome. and then like they would gasoline it and yeah. then it would just like it would just yeah. explode and anyway that's my summer camp memories man it Dude, was I, awesome I remember, that's actually pretty, te- that's pretty tight pretty cool, yeah. yeah it was really awesome I remember so. this one summer camp you know, I'm talking about throwing the branches in the fire and stuff like you know if you're listening you don't know what I'm talking about you, they'd always like Put, put you like on the spot, like at the last night of camp, or whatever. And be like, oh yeah, they'd be you gotta like, do that. Yeah, I know. And they, you know, they'd be like, it's the last chance to tug those heartstrings yeah, so to like, get them to you, say the prayer if again. If you just accepted Jesus in your heart, come throw brands of fire. Or the one I remember was like, I don't think they were doing like a sinner's prayer thing, but they were like, just something you're like basically giving over to God in your life. You know what I mean? Like, so come throw it in yeah. the fire. And, yeah. And I remember like <laughs> sitting there for the longest time, and then like everybody's getting up, and I'm still sitting there, and I was like. If I don't get up and throw a branch in the fire, I'm gonna look really bad. It's like you <laughs> branch in the fire just because of all the peer pressure, right? It's like right. That's right. That's oh, right. Man. So, so uh, since we're talking about Arminianism and and those tactics, I'll go ahead and tell the story. So I was oh, working boy. at this summer camp. That's a good story. And like me and my friend, uh, his name was Spot because he had like a spot on the back of his head. They called him Spot. No, no, that was there's awesome. this girl there on crutches. We, we called her Eileen. We were great <laughs> friends, man. We were great friends. <laughs> So <laughs> I don't know if you caught that. Did you catch that? No, I did not. Because I was trying to tell a story. Sorry, sorry. He said there was a girl on crutches, and they called her Eileen. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 oh, man, vocab <laughs> hilarious. Okay, so uh, it turned out that like he was teaching me about Calvinism, and I was already like pretty much a Calvinist because like my church pastor that I, I always went to was was a Calvinist, and so like his job for the summer was to teach like the middle school volunteer kids that worked there all summer and uh, lead them devotions. And the middle school kids started to ask about Calvinism and free will. And so he told them, hey, well, I'll tell you about it tonight at devotion time during our, you know, counselor devotion time. Well, it got out to some of the other higher ups at the camp that they were going to talk about Calvinism. So me and him got uh, a private meeting with like the, 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 the camp director and he said, there is no way I can let you teach anybody at this camp if, if you don't have a heart for the loss and you believe that God's just going to oh, wow. save them no matter what. 
And so my friend Spot looked at him and said, well, uh, if you don't like Calvinism being taught at your camp, you got a big problem because next week my dad's a speaker for the week and he's like Calvinist. Oh, wow. And like it causes huge like upheaval like and they let the guy speak anyway because they didn't have anybody else. And so, but it was the last time he ever went to that camp and I went to the camp. But so like, you went all, you guys went all Martin Luther and went and nailed up the five solos <laughs> on the door. <laughs> yeah, like that's a problem. Like all the summer camps are really great, but they're mostly all like Arminian. Like there aren't any like really solid that I know of anyway. I don't know. Like any. reformed like summer camps. Speaking of that, we talked about Reformation Day parties earlier. We did. There, we, there is a Roman Catholic church close to where we had our party. And for a second, we considered taking one of the copies of the 95 Thesis we had made and taping it it to the door. (laughs) In fact, I think that should be maybe as people leave the last part of any Reformation Day party, go to all your local Catholic churches. Seriously, you know how awesome that would be? The next day, every every Catholic church, they come in, there's 95 Theses on their doors. (laughs) We That's should a really good that. idea, actually. We should plan that. I would say just use tape so it's there's no defacing. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's equivalent to like a flyer or something. Yeah. But it's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. It's That's pretty awesome. A great idea. We should do it. We should film it and like, you know, like a prank prank video. Yeah. Like we should do that. That'd be awesome. All right. So what's up with that? We're going to the break. Oh, okay. Apology of Radio. You can sign up for all access at apologyofradio.com. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. Want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to Whitfield.edu, Whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes, the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. ApologiaRadio.com. Time this year. So let me hear you. Good and loud. All right, Gary. All one. All two. All three. Take me out to the <laughs> Hey! You listen to Apology Radio. <laughs> so we're going to talk about. Calvinism in baseball. We happen to know a Calvinist baseball player, and apparently so does Vocab. Yes. Well, not personally, but yeah. You just heard of You have connections. I do. Tell us about it. Already. All right. Well, the reason why I said this might be cool to talk about, that sounds beautiful in the background. I love it. Is because, as some of you know, the World Series just ended. The Kansas City Royals beat the New York Mets. It's a very good series. And when I was watching some of the games with my wife, occasionally I would look up some of the players, you know, to see what they're about and all that type of stuff. And then my little digging in my little research, I find this guy who's a second baseman for the Kansas City Royals, and he's a Calvinist. 
Did it, His say, name did it is, say that on the on the website? No, not on MLB.com, of course. But I I still actually don't know entirely how to pronounce his last name, but I think it's Zobris. Zobris, yeah. Yeah, Ben Zobris. And so I dig a little digging. I found an interview with him on Chalice.com. You guys know what Chalice.com is? Yeah. I mean, that's a famous, like... You have to know it if you're a Christian. Yeah, especially yeah. if you're Reformed, you know Chalice.com, right. right? And so listen to this. This is the last part of the interview with the second baseman for the World Series champions, Kansas City Royals, Ben Zorbis. He says... What are a few good books you've read recently? What are a few more you're hoping to read? Let me just share you some of from, from his list. The Saints Everlasting Rest by Richard Baxter. Wow. The wow. guy who wrote the Reform Pastor. Puritan. The Attributes of God by Arthur Pink. Nice. Wow. And I mean, I could go down the list, but then in the books he wants to read, because also says books you'd like to read, Humility by C.J. Mahaney. I mean, I'm just saying, like, so in his reading list, he's got explicitly, you know, Calvinist reform uh, books, anything by Pink, you know, wow. is like it's a whole right. nother level. <laughs> and then it's, it's just pretty cool. So I, I did a little more digging. I found out he grew up as a son of the pastor, saved at a young age, and just seems to be legitimate all around. Went to Dallas Baptist University. And uh, they asked him in this challenge.com interview, for example, like, how do you say connected to your local church because he's part of a local church during the baseball season and he mentions like I'm part of a men's theology class at our church I mean this is a baseball player right wow. and he talks about Pastor Byron Yawn which is a hilarious name for a pastor by the way Pastor Yawn <laughs> <laughs> try to stay awake during his sermons but so I looked up <laughs> Byron Yawn Community Bible Church is the name and sure enough in his bio he specifically talks about being part of the Reformed tradition and all that so the pastor as well is specifically Calvinistic. Then this is my last leg of my research, guys. The reason why I'm sharing this is because it's beautiful to see somebody who has like a robust theology from the interviews. It seems like he has a very thoughtful posture about who he is and what he's doing and really seeing it as something that is to the glory of God. Uh-huh. And I think that's that's nice to see. I mean, we all see the Christian athlete who's like, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. We get a quick shout out point up to heaven after I hit a home run, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, okay, okay. Which, by the way, I think Ben Zorbis does. But, but I'm just saying, like that kind of shallow athlete uh-huh. version of come yeah, speak yeah. at my church Christianity that yeah. we don't even know if you know what you're talking about. But this dude's got a whole other level. Not only that, dude's wife is a Christian singer. But you know Christian pop singers, I mean, they just be saying whatever. I mean, you know, think about them. I'm not going to call out names like Jackie Velasquez, Amy Graham. I mean, you just think <laughs> about the kind of like shallowness of whatever, whatever. I look up this girl's bio. Let me just quote from Ben Zorb's wife bio. Okay. Calvinist baseball player extraordinaire. Quote, this is his wife. I want the gospel to saturate what I do. If our lives end with loving ourselves, then we miss the point. We are to be sacrifices, living testimonies that seep gospel out of every pore so that in every song, every confrontation, every dialogue, every sermon, every testament, we radiate the truth of our acceptance by God because of the righteousness of Christ. Mm, wow. <laughs> this is from her bio on their shared website, thezobrists.com, because they have a book together called Double Play. And uh, she sings, and I just get ready, this last quote, because I was reading this to my wife and I was like, Nicole, I'm pretty sure that dude's a Calvinist. She's like, well, let's look, because my wife's skeptical of like any athlete that people yeah, say is a Christian, sure. as well she should be. Yeah. But then when I started reading this, she's like, okay. So then I read this. This is just gets to another level. When we see ourselves in light of God and who he is, to claim any earned favor is not only crazy, but it takes away the reason Christ had to come. 
Mm. Wow. He came to be the interception between God's justification There's a football. and my deprivation. This is his wife's bio. She's saying this. I needed him but did not know it. He pulled me out of the depths, kicking and screaming. There was not an ounce of me that desired God. He chose to open my eyes and make me aware of Christ and his glory. Wow. And it is in that power that my salvation rests. Because of the gospel, I am made right. Because of the gospel, I am given salvation. You say that was Spurgeon quote? Because of the gospel, I can never be let go. This is his wow. wife, Julianna Zobris. So I'm just yeah. saying, like, it's kind of cool to see people's bios. And half the time, if I look up a player and they act more like a football player than a baseball player, and by that I mean, you know, murdering and beating their wives, I kind of like <laughs> not really going to feel them no matter how good they are. Right. But a lot of these baseball players, you know, they're cool, some of them here and there. But to find a straight-up Calvinist and his wife is repping game like that hard, it got me pretty amped, and I was just cheering for the KC Royals that much more. Mm. So uh, I just I wanted know, to share know, that with you I guys. I know a family like that. Yeah, I know who wasn't cheering for the KC Royals. Who's that? Ty Timberg and Kate. Why is that? Uh, he, was he was for Toronto Blue Jays. They oh, lost but, but they that. lost. They lost to the Mets. I know. I mean, no, they, they lost, lost to the Blue Royals. Jays prior. Yeah, the Royals. So they he lost wanted to the, the Mets Royals. to win be, to get I, back. I, at I them? would imagine he's a very vengeful man. So <laughs> he's a very vengeful man. <laughs> oh, no, 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 the atheists are going to take that yeah. one with it. All the atheists are like, <laughs> just like his God. That's great. Yeah, oh, I thought you said you know his pa- you met his pastor or something like that. Well, no, okay, that's a little bit. So I told my friend this, and uh, this is, you know, I'm not gonna name all the names, but but this friend was like, oh yeah, do you know Pastor So and So, who's a Calvinist pastor actually in the area that I do know well? And I was like, yeah, it was like that was his pastor prior when he lived in Texas. That was his pastor. Over oh. it. And so he knows him specifically. Said he's a stand-up guy, solid dude, and this pastor I know was like really reformed and so he got like a plug from a, pa- a local pastor that i know really well and so that's his former pastor so i mean it's just kind of cool to see you know these things popping up and that wasn't the only thing like that in this last world series i don't know if you heard but major league baseball earlier in the year appointed like a mlb homosexual ambassador to the sport oh, the really? idea was to be to like <laughs> show the f- players how to be more you know gay friendly and whatever oh, gosh. and so this caused a big discussion because they asked some of the players what they thought about it, and people knew that the New York Mets second baseman, Daniel Murphy, who was also in the World Series recently, yeah. was an evangelical Christian. Oh, I didn't know that. So they specifically asked him, what yeah. do you think about right. this? Of course. And the only quote they got out of it was, I disagree with the gay lifestyle. But I read this full quote by Daniel Murphy, and again, I was shocked. Now, I can't, I don't have any proof that Daniel Murphy's a Calvinist, but I was shocked by the level of depth of thought and maturity in the full quote that he gave about historically we haven't always done well in this i can be friends with people but here's like what god's words are like very just clear and compassionate mm. they took out this one quote and then like there's this new york piece all these articles came out against him like all these homosexual fans sure. rooting against yeah. him and you know i would go down and yeah. and that craziness going on and like controversy the mets don't want him back because of this yada 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 but it's pretty cool to see like him really representing and speaking out what he thought Pretty as good. well. So so it's kind of cool to see some of those dudes, especially that, when they're Dan, articulate. That, he, he went free agent recently, didn't he? Well, he, so, he will so be I a just free posted agent. something yeah. on Facebook about that yeah. they didn't bring him back. Nah. Because of that? That's what some people speculate. So what it was is Daniel Murphy is, is good, 
but he's not at that whole another level. But oh, so during, it's, like, it's like Tim Tebow, right? Like he's not really that great of well, a player. What happened is during the playoffs, dude started playing like Babe Ruth. He had three he games in a row. He hit a home run. Boom, boom, boom. He, I mean, the poor Cubbies, who I know Luke loves. Like he just destroyed nothing. them. Praise God, he's, a white, yeah. he's a white Sox guy. Oh, good. Guy. Actually, because I hate Cubs. I didn't want to say that, but I hate the Cubs. <laughs> Praise God. First of all, who takes pride in being a loser? <laughs> Second of all, they're a large market team with a big budget who still can't put together a winning <laughs> hey. team. Third of all, I preach to the choir. Hey, right here. Of all, hey, it's the curse of the Billy Goat, man. You can't preach to the choir man. here. Yeah, the curse of Billy Goat. I know some of that. I have a friend on staff with the D-back security, and I said in the drunk tank because at Chase Field there's a drunk tank. When dudes start fighting and acting acting a fool, they throw them in the drunk tank and they actually go to jail. Yeah, they call it the jail, but it's like a little jail on the in behind yeah. the field. Well, I said, who's the, who gets the craziest? And he said, first, no question, Boston Red Sox. Whenever they come to town, we have the most people in the drunk tank. And who do you think was second? Cubs fans. There's a Cubs fans. Right. Like no, no question. Like for sure, it <laughs> was. Right. They were the worst. And so I was, I was. Anyway, so what I'm saying is, don't really like the Cubs, but. Daniel Murphy just started hitting home runs left and right, clutch homers nonstop. And then in the World Series, he didn't do as well. And so it's like, what's going to happen to him? But I mean, yeah, well, it was like Tim Tebow, right? Like, cause he yeah. he was throwing some game winning passes. Yeah. Uh, he had game winning runs because he can't right. throw the ball. Oh yeah, okay, more than 10 yeah, yards, yeah, yeah, yeah right. that's right. So and then like you know when they didn't bring him back, everybody was like, oh man, like yeah, it's because yeah, yeah. he's a Christian. But he just wasn't a good player. Right. I mean, you got to be, I mean, NFL quarterback, that's a whole nother level you got to be. Yeah. You can't be at 75%. You got to be at the 100% game. Well, Daniel Murphy's solid. Like, uh, fans love him because he plays real hard, like hustle style yeah. ball. Always easily, like, kind of he a charger. Had, he also had a couple epic errors. During the World Series, yeah. it was so sad, man, because I saw it happen and I knew that, you know, the, the Royal second baseman, our Calvinist friend, was realizing, hey, that was predestined to happen. <laughs> but I don't know Daniel's <laughs> theology, so I don't know how he took it. It was kind of a sad thing to watch it and him kind of become the GOAT, you know, when he had just previously been the hero. Yeah. But, but you know, uh, it is what it is. And, you know, baseball, again, you can make an idol out of it, like any sport, anything. Right. Don't want to do that, but I don't like sports, but I do like baseball. Can you compare Calvinism to the baseball? Well, there's some few key things you could do. For example, you could take the doctrine of total depravity. How uh-huh. would you guys define total depravity? It's being completely, completely unable. So in every area of our being, sin permeates. Yes. yes. Noetic effects of sins are the intellectual assault. The sin has on our rational faculties, for example. Well, right. you have some great illustrations of total depravity in baseball. That's one thing you could do. Like you could point to Ty Cobb and talk about yeah. Ty Cobb as a great example of total depravity. In the modern area, probably Jose Canseco. <laughs> why, why, why would you say Ty Cobb? Like, give some backstory. Well, okay, so that. specifically, he was a really bad person. Uh, Ty Cobb, for example, <laughs> yeah. uh, had like features that some people in that day of racism considered um, black looking. So sometimes they would call him a half in. That was a famous taunt and one time a, a fan was jeering him with that Ty Cobb jumped into the stands and beat the man bloody b- put him in a coma like some serious permanent damage yeah. because first of all he was offended at the, at the specific slur but then what he did to the man it, it was awful and uh, because he was such a great player he only got a slap on the wrist that's an example of the type of man he really was uh, he sharpened his spikes they had metal spikes then he's known to have sharpened his spikes specifically to try to slide into second and third basemen to actually try to injure them permanently and hurt them in a serious way. Yeah. That type of stuff. 
that Ty Cobb was known for. Wow. Or uh, the Black Sox, you know, that's the Chicago. Yeah, yeah there we Sorry, go. Sorry, Luke. That's okay. White Sox team that threw the World Series for Shoeless. money. Shoeless Joe. Wow. Say it ain't so, Joe. That's why, yeah. he, ain't, that's so. why he's not in the Hall of Fame. Of course, Pete Rose would be a fantastic example of total depravity. First yeah. of all, his hair is totally depraved. His haircut. Is so, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it. That'd be one aspect. But also, if you read any bios about him, boy. And of course, there's the betting on baseball yeah. while managing a team Ooh, thing yeah. that he's kicked out for. And of course, Jose Canseco. I mean, just go on his website, which is, uh, I forget the full title, but it's something steroids.com. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, he's all about it should be legal and it's all good. And he oh talks gosh. openly about orgies and stuff in the locker room. The dude is just way out there. And I don't know if you read much about him. You know, he played for the Oakland A's back in the day. Yeah. But like you played for the Sox for a little while too. Yeah, dude, like running his car into his wife's car and all these kind of crazy escapades. I mean, he's another good example of it. Barry Bonds probably is too. All the steroids. Anyways, that's one thing about it. But an Armenian might ask, why would a Calvinist like baseball since the outcome is predetermined? What do you guys think of that question? Um, two things. Okay, we enjoy <laughs> watching history unfold. Because all history glorifies God. Amen. So even though we have an on-the-field seat, we don't have the grandstand seat, we can't see the whole thing at once, we don't know that what's going to happen, right? Right. We don't have the Marty McFly playbook from 2015, but it's enjoyable to watch God's plan unfold in history. Second of all, it's enjoyable to see people image forth God as they do when they play baseball. And so those are two reasons why I think a Calvinist can still like watching baseball. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's, a, that, that, that's oh. you should have you should have narrated the Ken Burns documentary. Yeah, it'd have been probably oh, baseball, a game of ups and downs, <laughs> contrast. So pitcher zoom in, boxes and diamonds. <laughs> pitcher zoom out. I remember when we ride the bus for twenty five days in a row. Score. <laughs> <laughs> Old time piano player yeah. music, <laughs> and then a little uh, crack oh in the back. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Je- Jeff's gonna listen to this, and he's gonna be like, "I what have happened? no idea what they're talking about." Yeah. Before, before we go to break, uh, we were just the last break. We were talking. I had to fill out a questionnaire for a couple for for adoption. I won't say who or where it came from, but one of the questions was like asking me. Uh, if the couples were certain positions on a baseball team, what <laughs> positions would they be? And I'm like, what? What kind of a question is this? Is it like the closer, or the starting pitcher? And what did what did you say? It was amazing. A catcher, because I always guard home. <laughs> <laughs> right, <that's, laughs> you got to go with that one right there. So with that, we'll see you on the other side. ApologyRadio.com. Hey, this is Drew from the Gotham Central Podcast. Tune into our show each week as Mike, Ross, and myself bring you all the latest news and reviews from your favorite DC Comics television show, Gotham. Listen in as three aspiring Reformed theologians discuss some of the best story arcs, comics, and movies in the Batman universe. You can check out the Gotham Central Podcast on iTunes, join our Facebook group called Gotham Central, and follow us on Twitter at Gotham underscore Central. We hope you tune in each week. Same bat time, same bat place. Driving in my car in the middle of May Looking for a girl like a needle in hay 
You know it's already in the late 80s Roll the windows down, but it's straight 80s Ladies in the street while my FN's on Singing sad songs, somebody in dawn I'm on my way to work, I'm feeling like a jerk You sound so young I was 2003 it says? Yeah that's right. That was 12 years ago. That was Vocab Malone rapping Lonely Malonely from the Notepad Nomad album, which is what? What did you say? 12 years? Yeah. Yeah. 2003? Yeah, yeah. That's right. So you must have been 12 then? Basically. Because you're 24 today, right? Yeah, basically. You got it. That's crazy to hear that. <laughs> you know, what's up, man? I love hip hop. But when I hear these guys rapping nowadays, like all the fantastic Christian hip hop artists, I realize that... They don't really need me to return from retirement. So it's good for me just to do worship music, freestyles every now and then, like an Apology Radio. Like street, a re- Reform Con, maybe? Yeah, Street Witness, do some uh, rapping and nerd things, you know. But like the all-out artist thing, I don't think that'll ever... I don't... There's... It's not even the, the need, sh- the is what I'm saying. Passed. I cannot yeah. wait to see what you dress up as for the Reform Con cosplay Just contest. don't look like a terrorist. Well, wait, that date. I was going to ask you guys about that. You know, June 1st to 4th. Yeah, the challenge with that date is the same weekend as Phoenix Comic Con. Is it really? Yeah. I no was wondering, way. Are you yeah, serious? Yeah, maybe look at it again. How much of the work have you done? I mean, That's uh, the only day we could do it. Huh. Well, okay. Then I can be there every day except for the... <laughs> There's a few days I can't be there. I run oh, panels wow. I at Phoenix Comic Con. But uh, is that bad to say on the air? I'm just saying they're no, they, it's okay. They, they run at the same time. No, I might encourage more people to come. They might go to Reform you can do both. Phoenix Comic Con one day and then Reform Ooh. Con the next day. That's a uh, that's a whole other level, yeah. <laughs> but uh, all right. <laughs> well, I'll let you guys sort that out. So he might come to Reform Con <laughs> dressed as like Cobra Commander. <laughs> Yeah, Calvin hey. Commander. Calvin just Commander. throw your beard on, man. I'll be like, do a I'm alternating French Cobra Commander thing, like, I am Cobra Commander. Je m'appelle Cobra Commander. Something like that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh. Fools, I'm surrounded by fools. Wow. You did, you went to France and did some like hip hop evangelism, right? Yeah, I went to Grenoble, which is where a big university is. So it's kind of an international. You said Chernobyl? Grenoble. Oh, yeah, Grenoble. it rhymes with Chernobyl. And there it's, they've it's got the a lot. It's a healthy version of Chernobyl. <laughs> it is healthy, except, <laughs> all the, not die. except all the French smoke. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, yeah? the, they, I mean, that's all they do, bro. Like everywhere, all the time. Anyways, but yeah, uh, and there's a lot of North Africans there, and they tend to be Muslims. A lot of Algerians, for example. And so there's a great opportunity to witness to them in that context. Because the French, the French got a lot of commendable things about them, but... They are very French, and what I mean is... They kinda, make good toast well, they're and gla- fries. Yeah, they're closed off a little bit to other cultures, they, and they kind of... Uh, they don't like Americans, I heard. Americans will tend to like, come on, join the party a little bit more. Like, we, oh, you can make me some money, or we can party together. I don't care what you look like. You have a funny accent, let's do it. You know, generally speaking, the French, <laughs> it's not as much like That's that. That's how I feel you about You know sci. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, these these Muslim folks are really kind of ex- ostracized. Even if they're third generation, the French are like, you're not a true French man. They still kind of like. Wow. And so it's a great thing for the Christians to come into this like really outcast community, show them the love of Christ and get past that. But, you know, it's it's crazy, man. When I was there, I saw how hard it was even for the French evangelicals to actually do that. So there's some real cultural hurdles there with the natives sharing the gospel with each other. And it's also triply hard being an American because the French aren't always crazy about you. Although a lot of the North African youth tend to like be cool a little bit more with Americans because they love hip hop 
and that was my end. So we mm-hmm. did a lot of rap, partly in French with the lyrics translated, and then partly in. English. I remember you played uh, some some French hip hop on Backpack Radio. It was yeah. really good. I had no idea what the dude was saying, but it was really good. Yo, man, the French take their art seriously, and people would maybe try to sleep on French hip hop, but when you actually start to wade through it. There's some legitimately good artists. Like you, know, you don't really have to look that hard. Like I've listened to some Russian hip hop, bro. I'm sorry, man. I'm not trying to like. Yeah, <laughs> it don't sound right, and it's just yeah. funny. I mean, yeah. I am big Russian bear. I crush you. You know, imagine rapping well, like that, Russia, right? Yeah. Heard some German rap, some Ukrainian hip hop. It just don't work, man. The French, bro. Man, they know how to put it down. It's, it sounded. It sounds like they're playing it in reverse. Are you, are you talking about the French hip hop? The French, yeah, because yeah, yeah, the way yeah. they the way yeah. they pronounce them. Yeah, it sounded yeah. like it was in reverse. It's funny. They got some nice production, man. So French hip hop's pretty legit. French hip hop culture in general, I, I give respect to. So anyways, I was there witnessing to the Muslims with the bridge of Christian hip hop. Nice. Which is pretty cool. That's awesome. Trip. So speaking of other cultures, mm-hmm. we saw in the news today. Oh boy. That in China, some some woman that had a baby. In China, that's and, news. First of all, in China, yeah, a woman had a baby in China. Sorry, and uh, well, I think it was a baby girl, which actually is right. Don't they? They kill a lot of baby girls in yeah. China, right? Yeah. You ever seen that documentary? The it's a girl. Box. Oh, it's a girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Three, yeah, yeah. The three most dangerous worlds yeah. words in the world. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, uh, Good. But the lady, <laughs> I just read the article. The lady like had the baby, just gave birth to her, and like. Started, started to eat the baby. Eat her Immediately? arm. Immediately started, like, started to eat, to eat the, baby. the baby's arm. And they had to like... Yeah, bite pictures of bite marks yeah. on the baby's arm. They had bleeding. to like grab the mom and like pry her mouth open yeah. and get the arm out. and Which is amazing. Yeah. Because if you watch the debate that Cy and Jeff did, mm-hmm. Bruce Gleason's opening statement, the very first thing he said was this. Before we go on, I need to explain what an atheist is. There's a lot of misconceptions of atheists. No, we're not baby eaters. Now, (laughs) it's true that atheists do not eat babies because they're made in the image of God and they think it's immoral. Yeah. But the entire premise of the debate that was set up from that statement that Jeff set up was why is it wrong to eat babies? Right. And and so they would they would try to act like, well, that's just a crazy question, Right. right? Like nobody eats their babies. And now we have an article from a story that just happened where people from are communist at, China from communist China who are most likely atheists. Yeah. Where they actually actually they're most likely Christians. There's a lot of Christians. Yeah, I'm just saying but if you're a communist, <laughs> right, right, right. probably need Maybe she just misunderstood the phrase baby food. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, it's just not it's too soon. <laughs> too soon. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> he just totally stumped Marcus. He totally he got know, me. He doesn't even know what to totally say got me. So anyway, don't eat babies, right? <laughs> moral of the story. Yeah, moral of the story. Eat baby. Don't eat your baby. But it's interesting because now that's an actual position that the atheists have to defend now. It's right. like, why is it wrong for that lady to try and eat her babies? Right. If you watch uh, Babies Are Murdered Here, there's a scene in Babies Are Murdered Here where the lady says... Well, you know, s- some possums are born, they have six nipples, and if they have a seventh ch- seventh possum, they eat the seventh possum. It's like, well, why is that more? Like, that's what a lady defending abortion said. Yeah. Like, it's okay to murder your children, oh, wow. because possums... Well, if you have six children, it's okay, but if you have a seventh... You, then you can eat it. Yeah. Well, we understand her analogy. She's making... 
you know, unfortunately. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and, that, and that's the news. Right, right, right. So so that's the question in an atheistic worldview that Jeff is trying to answer and Luke is trying, well, that they're trying to defend and Luke, like Jeff and Cy were trying to expose the whole time is so what? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, who cares if someone eats their baby? Possums yeah. eat their babies. Right. Right? Other animals eat their babies. Yeah. And he actually says in the debate, yeah. you know, one one species evolves to do things this way, right. another species evolves to do something that way. And as as uh as as Bruce Gleason says, there is no objective morality. And uh and so you have this clip in the debate where during the Q and A session uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people complained about the Q&A session because the questions were kind of crazy. Yeah. But you really need to listen to some of the questions that were asked. There were some really good because ones. Because the responses that Jeff and Luke gave and that the atheists had Not to me. answer for. I wasn't there. Jeff and Cy gave that the atheists had to, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they had to the answer credit, for. i yeah, yeah. So we're really good. So this is a uh, guy named Anthony English. And remember, uh, atheists don't eat their babies. So what? And Anthony asked this question. All right, Mr. Gleason, sorry. You want to answer? You're the one's fine. <laughs> when I was five years old, uh, my father was shot and murdered up in uh, Bakersfield, California. Uh, Richard Dawkins said that there is no good, there is no evil. There's only blind, pitiless indifference. As a Christian, I came to a conclusion that it was evil because God, my father was created in the image of God. The man who killed my father, Ernest Lott, lied about the nature of God by murdering, and God says not to murder. So my question to you is, was the murder of my father back on March 18th, 1996, was that absolutely, objectively, morally good, absolutely, objectively, morally evil, or was it just blind, pitiless, indifferent, like Richard Dawkins, the famous atheist, said? You're quoting Dawkins from an environmental standpoint. He's not talking about society. He's talking about nature is blind. He's not talking about modern society, and both of you guys have taken it a little bit out of context. Yes, it is morally wrong to murder. It's not objectively morally wrong because we... Well... There you go. (laughs) There you go. Yes, it's morally wrong to murder. It's not objectively morally wrong to murder. Right. Right back, like in the same breath. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't work that way. So, 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 going back to eating babies, so we don't eat babies, so what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. If it's not objectively morally right. wrong, why? How, wh- how can you complain against the lady in China trying to eat her child? <laughs> I, I know. Well, yeah. I know. And you got you to watch the video of that because that's a 2.16 uh, in the debate, 2 hours and 16 minutes in the debate. And Jeff's look on his face right now is the best look of a debate. Here, I'll show it to you. Ready? I got to play it. We do it in our penal in our. <laughs> Somehow he managed to uh, break the fourth wall or whatever. He did. He looked right he's in my looking lens. looking right into the camera. And I was like, it's over. And he's like making <laughs> making this face like a little naughty child. Look at size. Look at size grin. Like the grin. <laughs> so you got to watch the debate. It's up on YouTube. Please share it. Pass it along. Uh, send it to your atheist friends. Let's get it out there. It's one thing to hear a debate, but it's another thing to to watch it, especially how I film it. When I'm right up on their faces and when they lose a debate, like you can see it in their yeah. face, even though they never say it, you'll never hear it in the audio, yeah. but you'll see their worldview melt off their face, yeah. like really easily. Yeah. So. Like at the end of Raiders? At the, at the melt end off of, their face? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Their worldview, <laughs> <Raiders are awesome. laughs> worldview melting off their face. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and uh, we, we've had, we've had, 
we saw some chatter on Facebook, I think, or YouTube or something about somebody complaining that uh, Jeff and Cy were saying that the atheists were lying and had a problem with that. Right? Right. We're talking about, and so, but we know from Romans chapter one that they are lying about the God that they know and they're suppressing that truth. And we can, you can read that Romans chapter one on the olive tree app for your phone. Oh, there you go. Boom. Nice segue. I was wondering how we were going to get there. And you got you know there. What? That was called professionalism. Like a pro. I like how you threw the pin just <laughs> yeah. to emphasize the segue. Yeah. That, yeah. that was my mic yeah. drop. Olive Tree. Have you used Olive Tree vocab? Yeah. Nice uh, nice app with lots of stuff. Yeah. It's a wonderful app. You can do... Nice uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It's got a lot of stuff. Yeah, got a lot of stuff on it. Got a lot of True. stuff. And you can buy more stuff, too. True. If you go to olivetree.com slash apologia and you enter the code apologia20, you get a 20% discount off the of commentaries and resources there you go so go to olivetree.com get you some stuff alright uh, so you the whole so what who cares things reminds me of Fred Armisen when he impersonates Joy Bear on The View you've got to hear it can we do this absolutely great way to end the show you know what I always say you know what I say who cares <laughs> just go home and have a glass of Pinot Grigio go to bed so what beautiful what seven layers of foundation. I still look like a frog in a circus wing. Who cares? You know, I swear to God, the only way I can have a movement is with a dump truck full of Ben So what? Who cares? <laughs> and here she's at, usually he's on SNL, but in this clip he's actually, he's on, actually the on The View oh, with the real great. host, and it's really funny. And he, he always does this thing where he like... I, I don't get it. So what? Who cares? He looks nothing like nothing. I don't think so. Nothing. Not his face, nothing. No. Who cares? And also, still, the other thing is, so what? And now here comes Joy Bear. Okay, I can't take any more. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's really good. It was fun. It was fun until the real Joy got on the show. So, uh, <laughs> so what? Who cares? So what? You know, it's, so what? It's really, Who cares? It's really funny. Our favorite, our favorite host on the View, is Simone, who has been quoted as saying, "Yo, dog, get my, my words my favorite, mixed up." My favorite host on the View is Candace Cameron. I was joking. It was, oh, okay. I was being sarcastic. Okay, all right. Um, and the reason I'm saying that is because I saw that. There was like a hundred thousand people that signed a petition to uh, get her kicked off the show. Yeah, did you see that thing where she was saying she wouldn't hire somebody if they had a quote <laughs> ghetto sounding name? And she said, if your name is Watermelonina or something like that, I'm not trying to hire you. And I was like, what? Your name is Raven Simone. But but, <laughs> but like first of all, this is like this is like actual bigotry. First yeah, of all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. What is this? Shocker! Of, actual bigotry on the View. Hey, second of all, unbelievable. Who is Raven Simone hiring <laughs> to do what? Yeah. Y'all, y'all know I get my words mixed up sometimes. I'm just saying, man. I think Bill Cosby said the same thing though. So she's you know being mentored. Oh, did he? Did he yeah, say? Yeah, uh, he, he was real. You. He was real. You know, in in favor of you know uh, African Americans and black people just being normal in society. Yo, yeah. man, your names, man. Like that's what. Whatever. I know, got. My you, mom had. That's two. why I was hated and the rape drugs. You know. Yeah, that, you know that, that, that whole rape drug yeah. thing. Uh, my mom <laughs> had uh, had two students. She was a teacher, and uh, she still is a teacher. But um, she had two students there. I think they were might have been brother and sister or something. One of them was Lamangelo and the other one was Arangelo. Those were their names. But if you looked at them, they were spelled Orange Jello and Lemon Jello. Yeah, my dad tells it's me amazing. a story. Like, That's the coolest name. Uh, my dad tells me a story when he was a corpsman in the Navy. There was a lady. She really loved the name Placenta. 
and like they tried to talk her out of naming her child placenta no. and they couldn't do it no no and this is a true story yeah well you know joke. that's just <laughs> whatever <laughs> man i just really like the name colon <laughs> colon <laughs> i'm naming my son colon yeah no, no, maybe Colin Powell. Ray, yeah, Ray, exactly. Ray, Ray, Raven Simone is is really awful. Like well, we were to, we were watching the view and she would just say stuff that's just like crazy at times. Yeah, not her name, yeah. her what she said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about that clip where she's like debating uh, Candace Cameron or whatever, specifically about you know the gay wedding cakes and all that? <laughs> just the argument, the discussion is so. It's difficult to discuss anything serious with a person like that, you know? Yeah. We played a clip of when, when Ben Carson was on. We talked about it on the show, but like if you watch the clip, yeah, she, she doesn't, doesn't say, say anything. anything. She just makes these faces. She's uh, just so like, mad. Complete disgust. That, that Ben Carson is just sitting beside her. She yeah. just can't stand That's it. That's another funny clip when Jimmy Fallon as Donald Trump calls Ben Carson. I missed that one. We did the Hillary oh, one. It's so funny. He's like the guy playing Ben Carson the whole time. Is like, oh, I did see that. He's I did like see falling that. asleep. Yeah, yeah, I did and see that. It's pretty. He and uh, Donald Trump's like, you're stealing my. What's he say? Oh, he says, I noticed that every time you say something crazier and crazier, your ratings go up in the media. You're stealing my tactics. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. I did see that. It was good. Uh, Big Cars was cool, but I don't know. He do be saying some weird Seventh stuff, Seventh-day Adventist, bro. man. Seventh-day Adventist. He, he do sometimes he's saying some strange stuff if you yeah. listen to him. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ram. Yeah, I, I saw Mike Huckabee uh, had posted on his Facebook page. Like, it was talking about Medicare. It's like, uh, have people stop stealing your Medicare because it's what you deserve. Mm. And so it's like he tries to be like he's... Like against, oh, Mike Huckabee. Yeah, he's yeah. like uh, he's against like entitlements. Yeah, but then he's like, no, 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 you paid for Medicare. What you're entitled, you should, you're for. entitled to that. Well, economically, uh, he was like moderate to say the least. Uh, yeah. The way he governed in Arkansas, he wasn't exactly fiscally conservative. And his Common Core stuff is nuts. So you mm-hmm. know, so. <laughs> these guys, yeah. you know, whatever. I mean, that's why me and Mark is all about Rand Paul. That's right. Even That's right. We, we oh, he needs to get some personality behind him. You if can he's add do me to that. Add no, we're oh, like Luke and Luke Pearson. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're big fans of Rand. That yeah. might be because he's. Yeah, he is. Uh, he, uh, I, I, don't I know. know. He goes his to like dad a, is definitely his dad. Yeah. He goes to like a Presbyterian church, from what I understand. Rand Paul. Yeah. From what I understand, it is a Presbyterian. I think it might be a PCA. I it's don't, PCUSA. It is a PCUSA. Is it really? It's PCUSA. Why do the politicians do that stuff? I don't know. I don't know. Wow. So that's, that's what I think. I could be wrong. One but, um, time I did meet a real Calvinist who still attended a PCUSA church. There are a few yeah. PCUSAs that are trying to like, you know, yeah. hold back the floor, you know? Yeah. And Rand Paul seems like the kind of guy that would be at the church yeah. just trying to fight the fight. Yeah, yeah. Because they you. were one of the that's last main what I'm That's all I got. That's all I got. what I'm holding on to. To fall. <laughs> because, you know, the nominations didn't all go down in equal order. PCUSA was, in my opinion, out of the main lines, the last to really fall. The Methodists are probably, uh, they're... Yeah, Jake, Jake, Jake Gresham Macon started PCUSA, man. Yeah, well, he, so who? I think it was Jay Gresham Macon that started PCUSA. I don't know who it is. Well, it's kind of confusing. You know, there's an interesting article called Jay uh, Mason's Warrior Children, and it's about when they broke away from Princeton and started Westminster, how there was like a spirit of fight, you know, and, and all of that within all those dudes who were willing to, to leave Princeton and start good Presbyterian denominations, but it resulted in a grip more of Presbyterian denominations. So PCA, mm. OPC, and if I'm not mistaken, even the PCUSA joined up with somebody earlier. So they're a combination it's, it's, of two other a really denominations. complicated, complex story. But, mm. you know. Which is kind of crazy if they believe in Presbyterian government. Don't know how all those governments happened, but, you know. 
That's another story for another show. That's yeah. another story for another show. Well, you know. But, but you should read the transcripts when Jay Gershon-Macon was before Congress. Oh, yeah? Because he was invited to speak before Congress to reject government education oh, really? in the 1920s. Wow. Like, huh. he really was the guy that was like, no. I didn't know that. On no. our show, Urban Theologian Radio, we did a song called... Jay Gresham Machen for the hip hop generation. <laughs> and we had on Flame, an artist from St. Louis who's all I know that. Flame is, yeah. Because on his song, he name drops Jay Gresham Machen and talks about him in this song he's got. His new album, Flame, is called Forward Man. It's like so relevant. It's tight. It's got Russell Moore all is up it in Machen it. Machen or Machen? I usually say Machen. That's why I didn't know who or you were talking Machen? about. I know when, it ain't when, that. When I think Bo it's Jay Gresham Machen. I, I know who he's talking okay, about. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. When I you thought said, it was Machen. Oh, well, okay. When you said it, I was like, Jamaican? <laughs> Jay Gresham Machen? Jamaican? What? Jamaican, Jamaican. I know his name's strange. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all, y'all figure it out. Y'all now figure it out. Now There's like a lot of discussion that's interesting about the interaction between him and Van Til. Because Machen moved heaven and earth to get Van Til over at Westminster, even though Van Til was like a, basically a rookie professor at that time. Mm. And Van Til didn't want to go, but things just worked out. And Machen kind of like knew Van Til was on to something when he started Westminster, but he couldn't completely... Basically, the way he kind of talked about it was, I don't completely grasp all the ins and outs, but I like know this is his bag and his area, and I know it's important. And so he like propped him up, gave him a lot of freedom, and, and got him at Westminster and gave him free reign. So Machen has a lot to do with like Van Til's ability to like mm. say what he needed wow. to say and all that. That's interesting. At Westminster. That's my understanding of the way the relationship was. Did you watch the, uh, the uh, Apology TV episode with John Frame? Is that up yet? Uh, I have not. It's going up this week. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not up yet. I am an all-access member. You are. Yeah. You'll like it. We had him on. He talks about some stories with oh. Vance Hill because he was one of his students, you know? Yeah. Some really cool stories. Yeah. I appreciate it. And Ben Bonson Good. as well. I'd love to do yeah. that. Yeah, actually, Wayne Grudem told some stories. This is crazy, dude. When Frame was like a younger professor, I guess, at least one class, and I'm pretty sure it was ethics, he had Bonson and Grudem in the same class. Because Gruden wow. said there was a class where he, uh, um, Frame let Bonson teach the class, even though he's a student, he let him, and it was like on theonomy and all this, and Gruden asked him some questions afterwards. It just sounded like a legendary oh, thing. Because oh, one time Gruden told me and this other Calvinist dude at class, we would always go up to Gruden and be like, hey, tell us some Bonson stories. Wow. How <laughs> I didn't know that they were, I didn't know they were classmates. Yeah. How that, did yeah. we get here? How did we get to this subject matter? Like Jay I don't even Gresham know. Machen somehow. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get PCA. Grandpa. <laughs> uh, there That's we go. All. We need to the view. Back. We need to get. Who cares? <laughs> we need to get Grudem on just to talk. Just to tell us Bonson stories. Yeah. That's Booking true. Grudem takes a miracle. I know you. I know yeah. you've heard from you. But uh, it, it can happen if it's ordained. I'm a producer. I work miracles. That's what I, I yeah. do. So, anyways, man, this has been a great show. It's been a lot of fun. I. I I, it's amazing how we just kind of threw this together. So, thank you, Vokev, for being on. Thank you, King Ginger. Thank you, yeah. Sherman, on the ones and threes. And uh, were you pointing at me for something, or you just want me to get off the air? So, sign up for all access. ApologiaRadio.com. Peace out. This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com. I'm also the pastor at Apologia Church in Tempe. You can get us at ApologiaChurch.com. 
www.thebrightsidebible.com. Want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. And that's Joy Tembe. Hey there, we are a family integrated church, so we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is Luke Pearson, the ministry bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. Like Jeff mentioned, we are now meeting at a new location and time, 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church. That's 9325 South Rural Road and Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at apologiachurch.com. Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. <laughs> Glory!